0: You're listening to the Salt Churches Podcast. Here you can listen to messages, inspiration, and lessons learned about planting micro churches all across the nation. Thank you for tuning in. To find more information, you can visit us at www.saltchurches.com. This podcast is brought to you today by Salt Churches founder Jesse Green. Hey guys, how are you guys doing? It is so cold, is it not? I'm like such a baby now that I live in California. Just came from 80-degree weather. So I'm Jesse Green. I'm here with my husband Parker, and we have two babies. And when I say babies, I mean we have a 16-month-old and a three-month-old. So we really love each other, my husband and I. <laughs> and we listen to the Lord and we are fruitful and have multiplied. So, yeah, I, I'm really excited to be here. I've been to a bunch of searchlights before. It's one of my favorite places to be um, just because, I mean, I, I so easily remember what it was like to come off the race. I went on the race seven years ago. It was the original N Squad. And uh, it was, my race was crazy. We were, like, robbed at gunpoint on my race. It's, like, really nuts. And one person on my team actually got five strands of malaria. And was meevac to London with like an hour to live. So we were like the really anointed team that everything bad happened to. Um, so yeah, it was awesome. But it's funny, actually, I just want to start off in prayer because as I was driving over, I just kept hearing God say over and over again, He was saying, "Into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit my spirit." And uh, just now during worship, Well, let's not do that light. (laughs) So bright. But as I was hearing that, I was just like, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? And I was just crying during worship because I just took a moment and I just pictured Jesus on the cross. And I just thought, like, let's be real for a second, like, really scary time. Like you're really trusting Father God in that moment. And I love that in Jesus' last breath, he declares how much he trusts the Father. Literally, like he's on the cross, the most, one of the most painful, humiliating ways to die. And he's saying, Into your hands, I commit my spirit. And I don't know what a lot of you guys are going through, what you're experiencing, what you're processing post race, but I feel like we're supposed to start off with a posture of trusting God in this next season. And uh, I felt like I'm supposed to just declare over you guys to just say to God, Into your hands. I commit my spirit. No matter what this next season looks like, God, I actually trust you more than what I think is the right thing. God, I thank you that you've taken me on an adventure, that you've shown me the needs of this world, and you've worked out things in my own heart. But God, it's time for me to trust again. And so into your hands, Lord God, we continue daily to commit ourselves to you. Lord God, let us live as living sacrifices to you. Let us be representations of Christ here on this earth, Lord God. And so right now, I just ask that you just start to work in the hearts of every single person in this room. I ask that they would experience your tangible presence, God, and that they would hear words that maybe I don't even say tonight because you so perfectly know how to speak to your people. And I love that there have been times before where I've preached and literally people have heard things that I did not say because God, Holy Spirit, you're so powerful and you can do the impossible and you know exactly what our hearts and our spirits need to hear so that we can move forward. And so right now, God, I ask that our hearts would be open to receive you, God. And so if there's any hearts of stone, Lord God, I ask that we would just be hearts of flesh, willing to receive everything that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to tell you guys a really fun story about labor. So men in the room, are you guys ready? (laughs) (laughs) you're like, please don't ever talk about this. Um, But I went through something that I feel like God would have definitely not put me through that unless there's some kind of like message illustration for this. So with my last labor, I just had a baby three months ago. How many of you guys have heard of an epidural or know what an epidural is? Just raise your hand. Okay, most of you, the guys are like, what is she talking about? Well, if you ever get married, you'll probably hear about this maybe. Maybe. But basically what it is, is um, they put a huge, huge needle into your spine. And what it helps do is actually numbs the lower half of your body to take away the pain in labor. So I hate pain. I'm like a big baby. I like, don't like the wilderness really, or like, I, I I like nice things. I don't like to put myself in pain if I don't have to. So when they invented the epidural, I was like, why would anyone like not get that? And people are like, natural childbirth is amazing. And I'm like, so are sunsets. Like, I don't need to experience that. to like, have a cool experience. (laughs) So, anyway, three months ago, I was having my baby. And labor was starting. And for anyone, most of you guys probably don't have children. But I'm just going to put it out there. Like, labor is the worst thing ever. I was robbed at gunpoint in Mozambique holding the door against, like, 30 Africans trying to kill me and my teammates, and labor was worse than that, okay? You don't, like, know what's going on. You're in so much pain. You don't know what to do, and there's no preparation you can possibly do to prepare for this moment. All the books don't help. So anyway, I'm in labor, and I get the epidural, and they don't tell you that the actual epidural itself is very painful. Like, they're putting a giant needle in your back And then you're having contractions that are painful, and they tell you you cannot move. Otherwise, you might become paralyzed. So you're like, I'm dying, and I cannot move because I don't want to be paralyzed, but I'm dying. And they're like, just hold still. And you're like, I'm trying. So I get that epidural, and this magical thing happens. The pain of the contractions starts to drift away. So that started to happen, and Vic, who's in the back of the room holding my son David, was in the hospital, and uh, her and Taylor are two girls that actually went on the world race that I disciple, and they came and visited me in the hospital. So I'm in labor. It's like 5 a.m. at this point, and they're talking to me. Taylor's telling me all about this, like, drama with this situation. Meanwhile, you know, I'm, like, having contractions, and I'm, like, listening, and uh, all of a sudden, I start to realize, like, I'm experiencing pain still. On half of my body. And I'm like, that's weird. Like, when you have an epidural, they tell you to take a nap because you should rest because that's how much the pain goes away. And I'm still experiencing the pain of contraction. So I'm like, okay, like something's not right. And so the pain starts to increase. And I say to the girls, I'm like, you guys gotta leave. (laughs) Like, I can't talk anymore. Like, I'm actually in so much pain. So the nurse comes in. they had switched nurses and the nurse that came in was so mean and I'm such a baby that I was like I really need like a nice like snow white kind of nurse not like Cruella DeVille and this woman came in and I was like I'm in so much pain blah 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 and she's like well you shouldn't be because you had an epidural and I'm like yeah I know that's like why I'm telling you that I'm like dying right now and you don't care so she's like well I don't know what to tell you like there's nothing we can really do. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you have to do something. And she's like, well, we might have to redo the epidural because they might've put it in wrong. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like I cannot do that again. That was so painful. And I'm already in so much pain. So the doctor comes in and it, he increases the epidural so that it numbs me more. And all of a sudden I realized there is a problem. Because all of a sudden, as they increased the medication, my entire left side went completely numb, and my entire right side could feel everything. This was an equation for the most painful labor ever, because I could not activate my body in labor. And like, you know when you're in pain, like you just want to like scrunch up or like move or something? Well, my entire left side was numb, so I couldn't move. So I'm dying in pain and I can't move the whole left side of my body. So I literally am curled up on the side of my bed looking at my husband, hysterically crying, screaming on the top of my lungs. And I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I'm actually going to die. Like, tell them to, like, I want a C-section or something. Like, just get this baby out of me because I'm in so much pain. And I'm screaming and screaming and the doctor's coming in. And they're like, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. After all of that, I ended up having a beautiful baby (laughs) and love him so much. And it's so amazing and everything. But over the last few months, I've been thinking about this. Um, I believe that God actually gave me a prophetic message for you guys and for the church in America from this. And I believe that right now in America, we have an epidural epidemic and what the problem is, is we are seeing a half-activated body. So half the body of Christ right now is completely numb, deactivated. They're still part of the body, but they don't know what they're called to do. They don't know how to brace what's up ahead. They don't know the transitions that's coming coming, and what's ahead. And then we see another side of the body that is fully activated, running in the calling, and experiencing some real tough things. Experiencing persecution. We saw a few years ago, like Christians being beheaded in the Middle East, like on YouTube, and real persecution happening globally. And we're seeing more people rise up in the body of Christ than we've seen in hundreds and hundreds of years of history. And then we see on the same side people that are very apathetic when it comes to their faith. And so I believe that God is calling the body of Christ into a full activating season. But we need to decide which side do we stand on? And so a lot of you guys are like, well I'm definitely on the activated side. Like I just went on the world race, I'm a missionary, and like I'm definitely way better than the people at my home church that probably aren't doing anything. And the truth is is if you're activated, your job as the body, is to activate those around you. And so what I'm going to give you guys tonight is the secret to your successes next year. So there's like lots of things you can do, lots of things to process, coaching and everything. What I'm about to share with you tonight, if you are willing to receive it, if you can humble yourself, no matter what you think you know, how good your theology is, how great your experience was or how awful it was, if you can take a moment and receive what I'm going to give you tonight, I promise you, you will have success in this next season. But if you choose to reject it, I promise you it will be a very hard next season for you. That is the weight of what I'm about to share. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you guys to open Romans 12. And if you don't have your Bible, then download a Bible app. Okay, I'm going to read Romans 12, 1 through 15. You're like, that's so much Bible right there. Well, I'm going to make it even more and read from the Amplified. So, Romans 12, 1 through 15. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies. Presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Okay, a decisive dedication of your bodies to be a living sacrifice. That means that you are choosing on a daily basis to lay down your life to live for what god has unto your hands i commit my spirit you're choosing on a daily basis not your will but his will be done and so what you're saying is is that i'm going to completely every single day turn from which way i think i'm supposed to go how i get to my calling my purpose my promises and to continue to go your way a lot of people say that park and i are radically obedient Christians, and I hate that. Like, it's like one of my biggest pet peeves when they say that because I'm like, no, we're just Christians, period. Because a Christian is radically obedient. There's no way to be a Christian and not be radically obedient. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to be radical. Like, Jesus is weird. Like, there's no way to say you're a follower of Jesus and never do weird things. Like, honestly, like, when people are like, I'm a believer of Jesus, but I never do anything that pushes me out of my comfort zone. I'm like, I don't know what Jesus you have heard about because he is so weird. He tells us to preach the gospel to all nations and make disciples. He says that I will be with you till the very end of the age. Why would we need Him to be with us if we're not doing anything that we would need Him to be with us for? So we have to choose every single day. Matthew eleven twenty, Jesus actually denounces towns that choose to not to repent. Okay, so what is repentance? This is going to be the key to your success, and we're going to dive into this tonight. But it's actually allowing Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. So it is so easy to receive Jesus as your Savior. Oh my gosh, like forgiveness is the most amazing thing in the world. Like raise your hand if you've been forgiven of anything. Okay, if your hand is not raised, I have no idea why you're here. (laughs) Because you've all been forgiven of so much unrighteousness and sin and so many things, even if you've lied once. Like that means you go to hell. But because of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection, you get to spend eternity with the King of kings and Lord of lords. Like that's a really big deal, right guys? Okay, the gospel is amazing. It's called good news because you were saved from so much. But guess what? He says that you're supposed to actually call him Lord. And guess what a Lord does? They tell you what to do. A Lord is in charge of your life. So if Jesus is your Lord, it means that he's in control. So repentance, all that means is it says, God, you're actually in control. I trust that you know better for me than I know for me. And so I will actually turn from my ways and continue to follow you. And you know, none of you are going to live a perfect life. I literally make mistakes every single day, and that's okay. Like God's not asking for perfect people. Like it says that David was a man after God's own heart. Murderer, adulterer, like weird guy to be a man after God's own heart. But why was he? Because he knew how to turn. The difference between David and Saul is that David knew how to quickly repent instead of making excuses for his sins. So if you're struggling with pornography, if you're gossiping, if you're talking badly about anyone on your team or AIM staff or people at your home that they don't understand you like they should, if you're judging people, guess what you're doing? You are sinning. You're not following Jesus, but you have the ability to turn from your ways. I love that David says, search my heart, oh God. Search my heart, because guess what? Chances are you're probably blind to the things that are destroying your life. So one of my favorite things to do, and this is a huge tool for you guys, is learning daily repentance. Allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to speak to your heart, to speak to you and say, hey, here's a blind spot. Guess what? You're operating in pride. That's pride thinking you know better than everyone else. But guess what? You can so easily say, Holy Spirit, forgive me. Help me to turn from my ways. And so I love that we have this opportunity. But guess what? We cannot live in God's promises and in sin. The two cannot coexist. So if you're wondering why you're not seeing breakthrough in certain areas of your life or the calling that was prophesied over you is like just not happening, Chances are you may be lacking repentance because sin and a holy God cannot coexist. But in God's great mercy, we have the ability to change. So when people think repentance is like this yucky thing, I'm like, no, it is literally like the best gift ever that you could possibly have. The fact that every single day your heart and your mind and your spirit can become more like Christ Like, that's so awesome and amazing. And yet, we don't want to do it. We don't want to go through the process. We want people to feel bad for us. We want to victimize ourselves and come up with excuses because this person did this thing to me and I deserve to feel this way. And Jesus says, I died on the cross, so you have no excuse to feel that way. You are not a victim. You're actually victorious in Jesus' name. And your job as the body of Christ is to. Be bearers of good news. So if you're constantly complaining about other people, it's confusing. I'm going to repeat that. If the words coming out of your mouth are not full of joy and hope and promise, and you just went on a mission trip and call yourself a Christian, that's confusing. Okay, so, it says, do not be conformed to this world, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind. Okay, so if people don't understand what you're going through, that's awesome. They're not supposed to. You're supposed to be a light on a hill, a city set on a hill, salt and light are catalysts of change. You need to be in environments where people do not understand what you're talking about because that's why a catalyst exists. You're supposed to be an agent of change. So I hope that you're going to places where people don't understand you. I hope that you have friends that do not understand what you've just experienced. I hope that you have family members that do not understand what you just experienced. Because it is very hard to be salt and light amongst Christians all the time. You know? And a lot of people, like, they say, like, oh, I just wish I had community. One thing my husband says, it's, like, my favorite thing ever, is community, for community's sake, is pointless. Like, if you just want community, join CrossFit. And he does join CrossFit. and That's why he has ripped muscles. But, <laughs> but... Like, there's so many places that have great community. Like, the early believers were not just known for having great community. Like, Peter wasn't allegedly hung upside down on a cross for great community. Do you know what I mean? Like, John wasn't, like, sent to an island by himself in complete isolation for the sake of good community. Like, you have to find community on a mission. And the mission is spreading the gospel and making disciples, period. Out of that, everything else will come. It says, seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added to you. So you're wondering, like, what am I supposed to do this next season? I don't know what my calling is, my purpose. Almost every single person, the two things they wrestle with is, who am I and what am I called to do? I can answer those two questions for every single person in this room. You ready? And you guys will be like the best ministers ever because people will be like, who am I? What am I called to do? And you'll be like, I actually have the answer for you. You are a son or a daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The King who holds the stars in his hand and spoke everything you see into existence. You are their child. You have all authority in Jesus' name. That means that someone else has zero authority. So when you're saying that the enemy is attacking you and all these different things, you've forgotten who you are. So if you're wrestling with your identity and you're wrestling with all these things, wrestle no more. God said that I came to give them life and life more abundantly. You are meant to be fully alive. You should be the most excited people on planet Earth. And we see Christians moving around like, oh my gosh, I did this thing and the enemy is attacking me again. Every time I do something for the gospel, like the enemy goes, there he goes again. Someone has no authority. You actually have the ability to say to Satan, shut up, get the hell out of here and stop speaking to me this way. You know, there are times where I wake up and I'm like, I quit this. I don't want to plant churches. It was so much easier to have a full-time salary, an awesome apartment in Manhattan, full insurance, lots of money, awesome things, everything going well for us. But moving across the country with a brand new baby, starting a church that we've never seen the model of, having no friends and no family in Southern California, sometimes sucks. And I'd have to wake up and I'd be like, wah, 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 everything's horrible, I'm a victim, people should feel bad for me, like why is God asking me to pay such a high price for following him? And then all of a sudden I have to remember, What was life like before Christ? I should have been dead 10 times over. I literally was addicted to cocaine, working in nightclubs, staying out till 4, 5, 7 a.m. in the morning. And I literally had a face to face encounter with God in my bedroom. And He gave me peace because He's the Prince of Peace. And I didn't know that I could call on the name of the Lord and be delivered. And I wish that someone would have been sharing the gospel in the nightclubs that I was working in. And so when people are afraid to go into dark places, I'm like, please go. Because there's people like me that needed you seven years ago to go. I was never going to step into a church because I hated religion. But I turned from my ways. And when I had an encounter with God, it was worth everything. And I quit my job and broke up with my boyfriend and sold all of my things to go on the world race, which you guys all just did and i came off the race and i was a girl on a mission and i was so excited and guess what i came back to new york and no one gave a crap about my 11 month mission trip i went to the fanciest restaurant in new york city my dinner was 5000 dollars my welcome home dinner from the world race i cried in the bathroom because i like just ate peanut butter and jelly for the last 4 months and was eating really fancy food, and cried in the bathroom, and I was like, okay, and I sat at the table, and I was like, so let me tell you all the stories of my amazing experience. My friends listened for about 30 seconds, and then they wanted to tell me about who was dating who, who was hooking up with who, like who got promoted at what job. No one like really cared about what I had just experienced. I knew that I was called to preach to the nations, to see millions of people come to Christ, to plant churches around the world. And I was like so amped up and I had these stupid student loans. And so I had to get a job at a digital marketing agency. And I remember walking into work and being like, why am I here? Like, why did God just bring me around the world to see, like, I literally saw, like, miraculous healings on my race, and God do such powerful things, and I'm like, why am I here? Like, this sucks. And we didn't have a project searchlight when I went on the race, and so I had, like, no one to, like, figure this out with. I was like, this sucks. And literally, at work one day, one of the girls said to me, she said, we googled you, and we found this, like, weird blog that you have, which is the World Race blog that you guys have to do. And uh, I'm a verbal processor. So all of my blog posts like totally expose like every emotion and feeling that I was going through in the last year. And she's like, we read those and we think you're weird. We've all talked about how weird we think you are. And we don't like Christians. And I was like, is this really happening in like the 20th century? <laughs> like, I-, I don't even know if you're allowed to say that in the workplace. <laughs> but I'm like, uh, Okay, and I would call myself like a pretty bold and confident person. I literally just sat there in awe because I could not believe that this was actually happening. Like the rejection that I was experiencing and what was so crazy was the number one thing that I was delivered from on my race was guess what? Rejection. was fear of man. I saw such breakthrough on my race in that area. I did not give a rip what anyone thought. And then a month later, could you believe that God would put me in a place where I would have to deal with this thing all over again? Like, didn't he know that I was free from this? I, I like, I am like, Jesus, you forgot the memo. Like, we worked through this for 11 months. And now here I am in month 12, having to deal with, with something that I know I've been delivered from. And I went home and I journaled like a good Christian does. (laughs) And I cried and I felt bad for myself, to be honest. And I remember just praying and asking God, like, why is this happening? Like, don't you know, like, I'm supposed to like be a minister and Like, I'm supposed to plant churches and do stuff like that. And, like, this is so far from, like, what I'm called to do. And, God, like, here's all my journal entries of, like, prophecies that were given to me. So I'm going to read them to you, God, because I think you forgot the things that you had people say over me. So I, I don't know what's going on here. And as I was reading them, I heard God say, there's one thing I've commanded you, and it's to love them. And I was like, no, 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 no. And I remember I went to a cupcake shop and I bought cupcakes for every single person in that office. And I was like, I hate these people, but I will be obedient to God. I am radically obedient. <laughs> and so I walked cubicle to cubicle and handed every single person a cupcake and was like, hey, I just wanted to give you a cupcake and tell you how happy I am to be working with you. And I looked the girl in the face that had rejected me. And I said, here's a cupcake. I'm so happy that I get the opportunity to work with you. And she literally looked at me like, what is this girl doing? But she took the cupcake and eventually got a little bit nicer to me. We never became like besties. Like this is not a full redemption story. (laughs) But she wasn't awful to me. And the most amazing thing from that is I got over my fear of man through that process. And so what I want to tell you is the things that you've overcome on the race, you now have to prove that you've overcome those things. Your race isn't over just because AIM's not in charge of your itinerary anymore, okay? Like, this stuff doesn't end. You're on mission for life. So... One of the most helpful things for you to know is, is that the world race is actually just like, how do I explain it? It's like the prologue, like your story has not even really begun yet. This is like Seth Barnes just writing like the little entry in the intro of your book. Like chapter one actually is like happening right now. So you're like, I know so many people in my race that they think that the whole story was those 11 months. Every amazing experience was that 11-month journey. And now they're kind of like coasting. And it kills me because I'm like, oh my gosh, no, that was like just to give you a taste of what you're actually called to do. So if you saw people set free, you saw miracles, you saw revival, like I hope you got a taste of the kingdom so that you keep on bringing salt and light every single place that you go. And so I want to read to you from Hebrews 6, 1 through 6. If you guys have it, you can open it up. Hebrews 6, 1 through 6 says, Therefore, let us go on and get past the elementary stage in the teachings and doctrine of Christ, advancing steadily toward the completeness and perfection that belong to spiritual maturity. Let us not again be laying the foundation of repentance. So basic Christianity, Christianity 101 is a foundation of repentance and abandonment of dead works and of the faith by which you turn to God with teachings about purifying, the laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment and punishment. These are all matters of which you should have been fully aware long, long ago. Oh my gosh, the fact that Jesus is alive and resurrection power exists in this room is basic Christianity. And guess what? Most of the Church of America is not functioning like he's alive. They're treating God like he's still on the cross, and he actually came and showed his Hands open wide and said that it is better for me to live for you to receive my spirit. And yet we're going through every single day. And I hate when Christians say, when I die, I'm going to ask Jesus X, Y, and Z. You have access now to God. Why are you processing your problems with your friends? Maybe it's gossip. I don't know. But I know that you have the ability to talk to God who actually has the ability to solve your problems. How many of you guys, and you don't have to raise your hands, have actually asked God what he wants you to do today? Not your calling, not your 40-year vision, not the big like thing that's going to make you famous or awesome. How many of you have shared the gospel in the last week? You don't have to raise your hand because you know if you did or not. But chances are, if you have not shared the good news in the last week, you might be focused on the wrong thing. It's so easy sometimes to forget about how good God is when we get distracted by ourselves. And so that's why we're supposed to be living sacrifices. One of the biggest sacrifice for you is to get over yourself. God is obsessed with you, and he cares about you, and he cares about every single hair in your head and every single detail of your life. So let him deal with you as you just continue to focus on him and remain in him. I was crying earlier today. Just honestly, I forgot how good John 15 is, and I want to read it over you because I feel like sometimes we just forget about the goodness of God So John 15, this is Jesus speaking. And actually, maybe some of you need to close your eyes and allow God to speak this over you because you may have forgotten how good he is. He says, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. If there are things being removed from your life right now, relationships, job opportunities, dreams, potential, even like things that you thought for yourself, trust that he knows that those things are actually not going to bear any fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. If you feel like you're called to make disciples, to plant churches, to do the, like, the great commission and do what God says, you might feel like some of that is actually being cut away and it's confusing to you, but it's actually called pruning and it's so you could be more fruitful. Do you know that like I knew that God had called me to preach and part of that process of preaching was me removing my platform. Like, that's confusing. I was preaching regularly in New York City. We were running two campuses in New York because everything we were doing was going so well. I was in charge of worship and I cannot sing a tune and was in charge of the entire worship team for our church. My husband also ran the men's ministry. We were seeing people saved on a regular basis, like 18 people raising their hands, making decisions to follow Jesus, preaching powerful messages. Like it was just awesome what God was doing. And he said, lay it all down and start a church in your house. And guess what? You're never going to preach there ever. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense, but it does when I understand the process of pruning. He says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. The fact that Jesus wants to be that intimately connected with you is insane. He's saying, remain in me, walk with me, have a real relationship with me. And then he says, So maybe you're thinking, I could do some things without him. Guess what? He thinks that's nothing without him. It all is about the relationship and the overflow of that relationship. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That is a crazy, crazy promise. How many of you guys actually have seen that manifested in your life? You ask something, and God does it for you. Do you know that that's normal Christianity? So if that is not your experience, guess what's not right? Is it the Word of God or your experience that's not right? I know sometimes there are things I'm asking of God and I'm not seeing them happen. So my job is not to say that the Bible's not true, but it's, okay, heart check. Am I walking with God? Am I asking about the things that he's caring about? Am I partnering with him? Am I remaining in him? Do I even know or what he cares about? Or is every time I pray, is it about my requests or about what I want? Or am I asking him, even giving him five minutes? to tell me what he's thinking about it said this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples bearing fruit having like a good life and things overflowing out of your life multiplying disciples and the gift of multiplication actually glorifies God in heaven like he wants you to be successful at making disciples and reaching the lost Like, I know that's crazy to think, but, like, when people are like, we're a nameless, faceless generation. Like, do you know who Paul the Apostle is? No? You don't know who he is? Do you guys know who John the Baptist is? Were they a nameless, faceless generation? No. They knew who they were, and they were secure being in who they are. Because they knew that they were sons of a king. I believe that a lot of us sometimes function in false humility and we're like oh it's not me oh god be the glory I'm not actually doing anything worth getting glory but god be the glory and it's like people know who Reinhard Bonnke is the man's led 76 million people to Jesus and he has no problem getting the credit for it he's like I am a son of the king of kings And I've led 76 million people to Jesus and I'm going to stand in front of him when I die and I will be a good and faithful servant. And I am Reinhard Bonnke and I am one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived. And he's not shying away like, don't know who I am. To God be the glory. He's like, I know who I am. I am the example of God's glory. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. God, what is your commands though? What are you telling us to do? He says, greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. If Jesus is repeating something, maybe important. He is saying, I know you're probably not going to believe this thing that I'm telling you because it's crazy. That whatever you ask God, he will give to you. So I'm actually going to repeat it again because you're not getting it. He's saying every single thing that you ask him for, if you're remaining in him, he will give it to you because it actually glorifies him. So I repeat, everything you ask of God, if you are remaining in him, will be given to you. You do not lack finances. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You have exactly enough money to be generous and actually expand the kingdom of God. So if you are crying, I do not have enough money, you have believed a liar. Because everything that you ask will be given to you. So maybe you're not asking the right source for your financial provision. Have you asked God, how will you provide for me so that I can expand the kingdom of God and bear much fruit to your glory, God? Maybe I don't go the route that I think to my calling or to financial success or whatever it may be. And he says that you remain in my love. You will keep my Father's commands. And this is my command. Love one another. Drops the mic. Love one another. How do you remain in God's love? You love one another. You want to know your calling and your purpose? Love one another. You know your identity. I just shared that before. Now you want to know your calling and purpose? What are you supposed to do tomorrow? Love one another. What are you supposed to do the day after that? love one another. The day after that, love one another. Ten years from now, love one another. You want to start a coffee shop that helps human trafficking? Start by loving one another. You want to plant churches? Love one another. Want to make disciples? Love one another. Want to evangelize? Love one another. Want to start a ministry that changes the world? Love one another. Want to see revival? Love one another. All of that stuff, the extra stuff is extra. And I'm like all about being extra. I'm like the most extra person that's probably ever existed. But I I know how to love one another. And how do you love one another? You share the good news. That's the first step. If someone is going to hell, the best way to love them is to stop them on their way of going to hell and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, his first thing in ministry. His way of displaying love is he says, hello, everyone. The kingdom is now available to you. No longer do you have to work and live your way and try to fulfill a law that you never could fulfill. But you can walk in the garden with the father again. And sin has no authority anymore. So repent. And people are like, I don't want to repent. And he's saying, repent. No, why? Because here's the kingdom. Everything that you ask is given to you so you're not seeing that happen, repent. Are you addicted to something still after the race? Repent. If you are struggling, if you are gossiping, if you are sinning on a daily basis, repent. Repentance is your greatest gift to remain in the vine. You want access to miracles. How many of you want to see a revival? Your revival, look to your left, look to your right. You've seen revival. Revival is dwelling within you. God's Holy Spirit, his resurrection power is literally living within you. And it's like, let me out. Stop going to Starbucks and just thinking about yourself. Who can you share the good news with? The Holy Spirit wants out. So many of you guys say like, I'm in a dry season. This is terrible. I'm in the wilderness season. Where is that in the New Testament? It says rivers of living water are overflowing out of you. God wants out. Did you go on a mission trip for yourself or to change the world? You want to do a heart check right now? What's the things that you've been thinking about during this searchlight? How many of your journal entries are about you? Be honest with yourself because I'm not going to stand before God at the end of your life. What are you thinking about? Who are you praying for? Have you asked God how you may live your life as a living sacrifice? Because you trust him so much, because he loves you so much. It was out of his great mercy and kindness that you could come into right relationship with him. Jesus did not have to die on the cross for you. He chose that because he's obsessed with you. And you think you know the right way to live your life without him. Repentance is the most amazing thing because it literally breaks the power of sin. If there is something that you're keeping a secret, do not give any power to that any longer. I know you guys have probably processed so much stuff on your race. Like there's so much processing on the race. You guys have gone through this, but I know I can be a testament to this. I know that you will leave that race and there is still yucky stuff that comes up. There is still shame that comes up and stuff that you you feel like you broke through. You know, I went through my entire 11-month journey never telling anyone on my race that I had had an abortion. I felt like there's like two major sins that you like can't do as a Christian and that's like adultery, which I wasn't married so I didn't do that, And like have an abortion, like those are the two things you don't talk about in church. And I went through my entire world race and I made an agreement. I didn't know the agreement was with Satan, but I made an agreement with him where I said, this will just stay a secret forever. Because I'm called to ministry, but if anyone knew this secret, it would discredit me. And so I could never do this. And I went through my entire race sharing everything but this one thing. And I'm telling you today. Do not go home from this conference with a secret. The enemy would love to keep you wrapped around his little finger. Because guess what? The only time he has authority is when a son or daughter gives it to him. So if you see the enemy doing stuff in your life, you may have given him permission to do something in your life. But Jesus says that I pay the price for you to be completely set free. Completely set free. So can I have one of the worship people come up? And uh, I'm just going to give you a chance to pray because you know what? I think it would be the worst thing ever if you guys left here inspired or encouraged or full of hope for your future with a secret. And if there's something that you need to lay down once again, at the foot of the cross, and you need the resurrection power of God to wipe you completely clean so that you can be a living vessel, a living sacrifice of the good news, then tonight is your opportunity to do that. But I beg of you, like Paul says, I appeal to you, do not leave this room. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm planting churches in California. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Too many of you guys are just numb, and you're allowing the enemy to have authority in places he just should not. And guys, I can't speak to this area, but I will say, if you are struggling with pornography, I read an article recently that 97% of men in the church Have struggled at some point with pornography. 97%. That's crazy. That is a crazy foothold that Satan has had in intimacy in our body. And guess what? We get to say no longer. We are going to change that statistic in Jesus' name because Jesus did not die for us to struggle with sin. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It is for freedom. If you have agreed that depression or anxiety is something that you need to deal with, that's a lie. He did not die for you to be half free. That literally makes no sense. Like just think about it logically, not even as a Christian. Forget the spiritual aspect of it. He did not die for you to be half free. What kind of testimony is that? God likes glory, He wants all the glory. He wants people walking around that have been completely set free in Jesus' name. So if there is something that you need to lay down tonight, that you need to ask forgiveness for, I'm going to invite you to actually get up, step out of shame, and come forward and receive prayer. And I'm going to ask my husband, Parker, to come up to the front too. And I'm going to put this out there. My husband, Parker, used to struggle with pornography. But he knows how to repent. And he has broken free completely from that. And so I'm going to say, guys, if this is something that you've wrestled with, don't be ashamed. Because guess how the enemy gets to work in that is through the secrets and the shame. Don't tell anyone this. You didn't go on an 11-month mission trip to wrestle with this stuff. Come up and get set free so that you can experience the living power of God. And so as I'm praying, if this is touching you or speaking to you or you know that there's something that you need to be free from today or repent of today, please come forward. So Jesus, we just thank you right now for your presence. God, I ask that people right now would have boldness and courage in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are a counselor in times of need. Any AIM staff that wants to come up and pray for people that Need prayer as well. I just want to surround people as they're being set free tonight. Satan, you've been called out. You have no place in this body of believers. And so we cast you out in the name of Jesus. And so every hidden thing I just expose into the light. And so Jesus, we thank you that your miraculous resurrecting power is doing a good work here today. Jesus, I thank you for repentance. I thank you that we don't repent once, but we can do so on a daily basis. I call out the gossipers in the room right now. I ask you to rise to your feet and come forward and ask for forgiveness. If you have slandered AIM or someone on your team or a family member, I ask that you come forward and just ask for forgiveness. You don't need to give permission any longer for the enemy to have any place in your life. I Need to see breakthrough in your life in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you're looking for a holy, a holy generation. One marked in righteousness because they have learned to remain in you. God, I thank you that we cannot remain in you while still in sin. And so right now, I just declare that people will repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand And there are miracle hands in this room that need to turn over to you right now and lay down their lives. And so we ask, God, that people would open up their hands to you. That they would come forward and receive prayer right now and freedom in Jesus' name. God, I ask that anyone that's struggling with pornography or any sexual addiction or any kind of sexual immorality, God, that they would come forward. I break off shame in Jesus' name and I ask that they would come forward and receive forgiveness for all of their sins. I thank you that you are making them brand new, that we are born again, God. So anyone that is struggling with any kind of sexual immorality, I ask that you just come forward right now, Lord Jesus. I ask that you speak to them, give them visions and revelations of, What it looks like for them to be fully alive, God. Lord God, I ask that if anyone's struggling with pride right now, that you just start to burn in their hearts right now, that they would feel something stirring within them. And the thing about pride is you never know you wrestle with pride. So, right now, if anyone's feeling anything burning within them, I ask that they would come forward. And maybe they don't even know what they're coming forward for, but I ask that they would come forward and just receive forgiveness. Search our hearts, O oh Lord. Search our hearts, O oh Lord. Help us to give you permission right now, Lord Jesus. God, I ask if there's anyone that's struggling with bitterness or unforgiveness, God, that you would start to provoke them right now. Jesus, I thank you that you forgave us of so much. So whatever offense or bitterness people are holding on to that they have a right to, I ask that they would surrender that right, right now in Jesus' name. Jesus, I just declare freedom over this place right now. Holy Spirit, speak to your people. It's only through your power, God, that people can come into repentance, Lord Jesus. Jesus, I hate that you had to turn away from cities that would not repent. And so right now, God, I ask that there would not be one person in this room that does not receive your healing power right now, Lord God. Lord Jesus, if there's anything that's separating Your people from you, I just cast it down in the name of Jesus. Every hidden thing must be exposed and come into the light, Lord God. Jesus, I should say. into your hands we commit our spirits God God I thank you that you want holy, holy holy free people Lord Jesus God I thank you that you're doing something new here tonight God I ask that we would have eyes to perceive what you're doing, Jesus. Okay, last call. If there is anything that you need to be set free from that you have not come forward for, if you are struggling with depression or anxiety or fear of the future or any kind of like If you're struggling in the area of finance, I want you to come forward and receive prayer and breakthrough tonight. Do not leave this place with an anxious thought. If there is something that you need deliverance from, I ask right now in Jesus' name that you would be bold and courageous and come forward and get your deliverance. Do not leave this conference without being set free. Jesus, we just ask for your healing to flood through this place right now. Holy Spirit, we thank you that your presence, Lord God, your presence is here and you're setting people free. tuning in today. We hope you feel inspired, encouraged, and empowered to change the world for the name of Jesus. Make sure to tune in and listen to our other podcasts and download our app Salt Churches found on iTunes. We hope to see you and hear from you soon. Thanks. Have a great day.